Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and again, we're going to be talking about the Kingdom of God. And we talked this morning a lot about goats, and we're going to talk a little bit about scapegoats this afternoon. And we'll actually talk about anything you want to talk about. You can call in on a number and uh, raise your hand and ask a question. But what I, I got in to do the show two minutes and... 29 seconds before the show started. And uh, I'm going to send out an email to everybody on the network. If you're not on the network, you should get on the network. Somebody, uh, John, asked uh, on the network why we don't go over to, and he had another group or something that was not a part of Facebook or Google. And uh, he wanted us to go and set everything up over there. Well, we got everything set up where we got it set up, but the real network isn't dependent upon Google or Facebook. We use those things because a lot of people out there are using them. It's a way to get access to everybody else. We have enough software people that we could create our own software for our own private uh, exclusive network, monitor it ourselves. But why do it if people aren't going to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands? Most of what I'm doing is for those people who are willing to hear the voice of the shepherd, which isn't me, it's Christ, who commanded that everybody sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands to create a, a system of social welfare when you do need it, not the fake welfare that we see in the world that makes people weak, but the real welfare that helps out when you have to do battle and people get injured and husbands can't make a living uh, or there's a shortage of food and there's a dearth in the land that's what we're looking for so that nobody has to go to the ones who want to do all the things they want to do to you <laughs> but if you won't sit down but you know a lot of people say well i want to i won't yeah if you build it they will come and i always say if i have to build it to get you to come why in the world would i want to build it it's like you go out build me a house uh, build me a shelter, build me a ranch, build me a farm, build me, uh, you know, uh, a, chicana, a, a jacuzzi would be nice. <laughs> no, a jacuzzi would be nice. Why would I want to build that for you when you won't do anything for anybody else? And that's why you join in the network is so that you can help other people. If you just want to join in the network so you can be helped, wrong network. That's not why we're doing it. You know, we're doing it because of the message of Christ. And Christ didn't come so that other people would help him. He came that you would learn to help one another. Because that's the only way to have a free society. Now, if you don't want to do that, I can perfectly understand. There's a lot of people who don't want to do that. And so you can uh, do whatever it is you've been doing. But... uh the network is not, the living network is not dependent upon Google or Facebook. It's not really dependent upon the network, uh, uh, internet. I mean, we might text, we might phone call people, but the idea is to create a network where 
where we're connected all over the country, all over the world, with people who actually want to hear the gospel and follow the gospel. A lot of people won't, but that's what is a part of the goats and the sheep. You know, if you had a band of white-faced sheep that, uh, you know, like Rambouillet or, uh, you know, Panama sheep, well, Panama aren't that good, Colombian sheep, which have nothing to do with Panama the or Colombia the country. They're descendants of Rambouillet and Merino and and Montana range sheep. If you had a band like that and they were sticking together too good and you wanted to spread them out a little bit, well, you put in some goats with them. Because the goats will go out to the outside of the herd and they'll be always looking for, you know, something and they will keep the sheep spread out a little bit. Sheep will still stay close, but it will help them get better use of the graze as you move through the forest. And also you bell the goats and when they make a noise, you know they're the first one to run when there's a predator because they're all about saving themselves. So, yeah, you want to separate the goats from the sheep, but, you know, the goats will separate themselves from the sheep. Now, I, I know a band of sheep that a guy had down south of here. And there's a, a lake. It's a salt lake. and But it does freeze in the wintertime. And uh doesn't freeze very deep or solid, but it does freeze. And he had a couple of guys watching his sheep. He had, I think he had 2,000 head. But he had one band of about 1,000. It's the wintertime. And they went in to have some tortillas or something and they looked out and all of a sudden they realized the sheep had walked out on the ice. They had steadily walked out on that ice out on that lake. And they jumped up to go get them and they used the dogs. And the dogs went running out there and circled around the sheep and the sheep got tighter and tighter in a circle like they do regularly on the land and then they broke through the ice every sheep drowned but somebody didn't drown the goat that led them out there walked back across the drowning dead sheep bodies out there in the lake as they you know bull and sheep will float a little bit and so that goat walked all the way back and got on dry land, eventually got, you know, was able to jump over to ice off of the back of a floating sheep. And uh, it lived. But the whole band of almost a thousand sheep, they drowned. And the guy who drowned them is the guy who survived. But he didn't care. More grass for him. I don't know whatever happened to him. I could tell you what might have happened to him if I did that. But the reality I just told you this morning about a, a spiritual guide got fed up with his goats because they kept breaking into his haylot. And he went in there and shot every single one of them. All the nannies, the buck, all the weathers, all the kids. He shot every one of them. They didn't have any more goats anymore. I don't know what he had, seven to ten or something like that. But anyway, he shot them all. And this is somebody, this guy made his living at that time. He made his living as a spiritual guide. You know, helping other people find their spiritual truth. (laughs) 
I don't think that's a good idea. But anyway, uh, sounds a little like that goat. Lead, lead people out to die. Well, the fact is that people have been being led away from the gospel of the kingdom, from the sacred scripts of Moses and Jeremiah and Ezra and all these guys. have been led away by false doctrines, false teachings, and sophistry by changing the meaning of words so that nobody understands what words mean. And so long come us, and we, and well, actually along comes Christians. Early Christians had a pretty good idea. Constantinian Christians didn't really get it. They started bringing in all kinds of doctrines and, you know, inventing things like the Apostle Creed and stuff like that. And of course, the Apostle Creed, a lot of, What's in the Apostle Creed is true, but it wasn't written by the apostles. It was written by Constantine Christians. And they were not far from the kingdom in some ways. Otherwise, they were very far away. Although you don't really detect it so much in the Apostles' Creed, because that's not the way you do it. But you could detect it in the things that they did. I just came in out of the field, had to load up a sheep and bring it in and put it in another field because it was not doing well. And <laughs> I didn't want the coyotes to eat it. And uh, I thought I had a cool drink in the refrigerator and I didn't. <laughs> so, <laughs> and so I'm just running around and got in here quick enough to tell you what the gospel really says. But a lot of you probably don't want to know. But uh, some of you do. And those that hear the message of the kingdom need to become doers of the word. Uh, oh, we've got a lot of people in the queue. And so I'm going to go over and open up the chat room. So if somebody wants to type a question into the chat room, I should be able to see it. So we have the Burning Bush Festival coming up here the first week of September. If you're coming, let us know. Let us know through the network. If you have... Uh, that's the best way. Just let us know through the network and we'll have a, a copy. A goat is a goat is a goat. As I said this morning, at least that's what Sam Harris said. And of course, in the Bible, a goat is not always a goat. But there are characteristics in a goat. If you if you read the Arthavedas and uh, and the ancient Sanskrit, Sanskrit it has some similarities to the structure of Hebrew. Uh, some ways, I think Hebrew is superior, but I don't know Sanskrit that well. I mean, I've looked at it. I've, I've looked at how some of the construction is. Somebody told me once that Sanskrit would be a great language to program into computers, and I have no idea why. I don't really see it. <laughs> the messages that they're giving us through the sacred scripts are there, and they're still inspired, but you have to be inspired to see them. You have to see the symbol. Because words are symbols of ideas. But in Hebrew, the letters are symbols of ideas. They put the letters together to create words. And then they put the words together to create explanations of what they're trying to communicate to you. But the translators are translating into other languages. You could still get it. I mean, there's still plenty of information in there that is absolutely 100% accurate. But people don't see it because they're distracted by the sophistry of traitors. And and by those who have been fooled. I mean, if you really want to fool people, get disciples uh, 
groom them. That's what seminaries are for. To groom ministers. To preach a gospel that just isn't what Jesus said. But they've been working on a way in which to do this in seminaries for centuries. And now they have thousands of ministers, thousands of people who think they're Christians, thousands of people who think that they're millions, who think they're following Christ, the same as yet, thousands, millions of people who think they're Jews or Israelites, descendants of Israel, following Abraham, following Moses, following the prophets, but they're not. And Jesus talks extensively about those who will say that they're following him and are not. And he talks extensively about the fact that they have sent the prophets to you and you didn't listen to them. As a matter of fact, you killed them. While you were saying you believed Abraham and Moses. As a matter of fact, you used the false teachings of Moses so that you would have a reason to stone and crucify the prophets of God. The greatest enemy is those who say they are our friends. That they believe what we believe. Because they don't believe in living by faith, hope, and charity. They believe in living by force and by men who exercise authority and by people who scratch my back if I'll scratch theirs. And that's just not kingdom stuff. In the parable of goats and sheep, Jesus is trying to tell us something about the nature of the kingdom. And the New Testament talks about living stones. But if altars are not just piles of stone, but living stones, then a goat may not always be a goat. If a goat is not always a goat, then is a scapegoat Always a scapegoat. And what is a scapegoat? And there's a lot of opinions about what a scapegoat is that are just not so. The, and, and I point out that the word scapegoat is this azel, because I wrote this a long time ago. But it's going to be very important if you get into Ezra. And we were just talking about an ox this morning. And the same word for ox can actually mean all kinds of other things other than an ox. It actually can mean a sing or a singer. So how is an ox a singer? It can mean a traveler. But you wouldn't know it by looking up the concordance number. You have to actually look up the actual spelling of the word. Well, when we get into Ezra, we're going to come across Nethanim. I talked about that this morning, that they were servants of the Levites. Because the Levites had a, a profoundly important job for society. They were your Social Security, your welfare, your Medicare, your Medicaid. Levites were in charge of all that. It wasn't running like your other systems because it was dependent upon free will offerings. And it was had to be a charity that strengthened the poor. It wasn't going to make the poor lazy. You know, there's actually I have it on my phone. I could probably pull it up and play it for you. But basically, you know, uh, talks about these five forms of of gift giving. Where the first time you give, it creates an appreciation. The next time you give, 
it starts to create expectancy. The next time you give, it, it starts to create dependence. And, of course, by the, the last time you give, but that's why we need to have an actual living network. And, and you're not going to create that by just, you know, secretly watching, listening in the background. You know, people who started to become a part, but it, it just didn't excite them. It didn't make them feel good. But that's not the purpose of the Levites, to make you feel good. That's the purpose of the false church, to make you feel good. You know, tickle your ears, scratch your back, make you feel comfortable, make you feel righteous. That isn't our job. You got a job. Find the Holy Spirit and do what He tells you. And if you don't know what He's telling you, then you can look in the Bible and see that there's a couple of things you should be doing. Caring about one another as much as you care about yourself. Gathering together in, in intimate groups so that you can actually spend time caring about. We had somebody, a lady, and uh, one of the ministers bought her the books because she didn't buy the books herself. Well, at least some of the books gave her, loaned them to her. She took off with them eventually. Oh, she was all excited and all enthusiastic. People helped her move for free. People were helping her left and right. She was just getting, making lots of bad choices and getting into worse and worse trouble. Now, guys can make bad choices, but occasionally women who want to isolate themselves and want to think they already know everything and have swallowed the, you know, some of the things of that have come down through modern feminism, they can make some really bad choices. But like I say, guys can make really bad choices, but they usually make really bad choices for different reasons. <laughs> but if you want to make a good choice, start seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness. That's what you need to start to do. Okay, yeah, fifth time, uh, it becomes an entitlement. The sixth time, if you don't give the next they get angry and want to destroy you. Something like that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, oh, we got more people coming into the queue. Nobody raising their hand. You got to press one to raise your hand. And you can also go over to the chat room if you're online. I sent the link to uh, where you, the chat room shows up in two places. I'm actually in the studio looking at the chat room. So... Anyway, I'll I'll come back if and check for raised hands later. You don't have to actually keep your hand up, but if you press one, it should light up, and then I'll know you want to ask a question. But uh, so I have scapegoat actually opened in the code, so I can start fixing it as I go. <laughs> there are many other words translated uh, in this. It the meaning of goat. And Lamad Zayn Elif, which is actually Elif Zayn Lamad, or Elif, it's spelled so many different ways. I can see, looking in the Hebrew text, I can see it spelled uh, Ayan Zayn Elif Zayn Lamad. That's that's really unique. It's formed from two words, Zayn Ayan. Uh, can mean goat. Elif Zayn Lamad can mean gone. So that's where you get scapegoat. The gone goat. 
And I was talking this morning that if you if you had a goat and you chased it out on the desert and you had a hundred people chasing it and throwing rocks, it'd be back the next morning. You'd have to stand guard until that goat died. Because once he knows that you're challenging him to stay away, he's going to keep coming back. He will wear you out. He'll wear out the whole village trying to keep that goat gone. You just, you can't do it. You know, in my article on uh, scapegoat, I actually go down and, and Rene Girard, who's a really smart person, talks about the scapegoat mechanism. Uh, that includes uh, three concepts, subject, model, and object, and how they draw one to the other. And I understand to some degree his philosophy on this, but what he doesn't understand is goats. You can't chase goats away from water and grace out into the desert. I mean, you can do it, and he'll run, but he'll be back. Because as soon as you chase them away, it's a challenge. We used to have a buck goat. I used to have the buck goat grazed out in the field with the dairy cow. They didn't hang around each other, but they were out in the same field. When I went to get the dairy cow, the buck goat would always want to come in, too. The dairy cow wasn't too afraid of him. And, uh, but what I would do is I would, as I was walking in the dairy cow, she'd come in right behind me. The buck goat would be like 10 steps behind her. And I'd walk into the corral. And I'd walk across the corral. Take a couple quick steps across the corral. And take a rock I picked up out in the field. And set it on the top of a fence post. Sometimes I'd have two rocks. And I'd set one on one fence post. And then set one on the other fence post. And then I'd go over and open up the milking stanchion. And let the cow in. Well, I knew that the, this to show you how goats think. A lot of you don't know. <laughs> so, when you read the boat, book and you're reading about goats, you might know Hebrew, but if you don't know goats, you may not get this. That buck goat's going to go over there and knock that rock off the top of that fence post. And if I put rock on two different fence posts, he's going to have to go over and knock the rock off of those fence posts too. While while he's doing that, I'm bringing the dairy cow in. <laughs> so <laughs> I do this every day. It was a ritual. But if I didn't do that, while I was bringing that dairy cow in, that buck goat would try to snake into this milking stanchion. Well, I didn't want that stinky goat in the milking stanchion. So I'd put a rock there, and he would think I wanted that rock to be there. So he thinks, i got to knock that rock off. He's just got to go over and knock that rock off. He can't let it go. If you chase a goat out of the village, he's coming back. Even if there's better graze somewhere else, he's still coming back. Because you chased him out. You can't get rid of him that way. It's not going to work. Like I said, you'll wear out the whole village trying to do it. Everybody's going to leave their work to go chase this goat out. So that you get rid of all your anger and envy and hostility. Well, anybody who's familiar with goats know that it's easier to get rid of your anger and envy and hostility than to chase the goat out. 
But you got guys thinking that that's part of Moses' teaching. Just as I was reading this morning that we were, when we were going through, uh, our pages on goat, I was reading, uh, was it, what was it, Leviticus? Was that in our page on goats? Or, yeah, Leviticus 7, 23. Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, Ye shall eat no manner of fat, of ox, or of sheep, or of goat. Why is God even slightly concerned with whether or not you eat the fat of an ox or sheep or a goat? Why is he even telling you doing that? It's because he's not telling you to do that. That's not what he's talking about. I mean, you read before that and it says, And the Lord spake to Moses, saying, Well, if you know that the word ox means something different, the sheep, word for sheep can mean something different, and the word for goat can mean something different, and the word for fat can mean something different, then you may understand that the Lord is telling you something different than your translators are telling you. And you should know. You should just ask God in your heart and your mind. And the Holy Spirit will tell you. If if you need to know. If you just, you know, the, there was a Saturday night skit where the one of the comedians was playing Jesus. And then, I can't remember who was playing the woman. But she was constantly asking God, you know, all these thousands of little prayers every morning, you know. Make it so that my, you know, the sandwich is the best and the bread is the best and make it so this and, and the guy playing Jesus was, was getting impatient because she was asking, you know, why don't you just do it yourself? <laughs> You're not asking the right questions anyway. So in verse 24, he goes on to say, and the fat of the beast that dieth of itself and the fat of that which is torn with a beast may be used in any other use, but ye shall in no wise eat of it. But, so, the, the first statement in verse 23, is it about, is he just talking about the fat of ox that dieth of itself or is torn by beasts? Or is he talking about any ox, sheep, or goat? It goes on in verse 25, For whosoever eateth the fat of the beast, of which men offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord, even the soul that eateth it shall be cut off from his people. So now he's talking about not animals that were torn by beasts. Or dieth of itself. Now we could have to look at the Hebrew maybe to get an idea of diet, dieth of itself. The torn of the beast. That's everything you get now from Social Security, welfare, unemployment, Medicare, Medicaid, public school. All that is torn from the living creatures of your community. All those benefits you get are brought to you by men who exercise authority, who force the contributions of your neighbor. Now, you can do that if you want. Jesus said not to do that. 
But that's what everybody's doing. All those preachers out there are doing it. Now, they want you to be nice and, you know, and uh, not commit adultery or fornicate and all these other things. Actually, some churches say that's okay now. <laughs> As a matter of fact, some churches tell you homosexuality is okay. And they can do that. I'm not going to tell you. But I'm not going to condemn you. I think you're missing out. But, of course, you you got that choice. It's a free country. But what I'm trying to get you to do is follow the ways of Christ. And the way of Christ is that you take care of one another without biting one another. Without taking the fat off of one another. I talked this morning about the fact that, you know, for years you could inherit your father's house, your father's business, and just take it over. You just inherit it. There's no inheritance tax in America. Not for individuals. You could just do that. Yeah, write out a will and says, you know, he gets the car, he gets the house, he gets the business, and you get it. And then you start and you either make it a success or you don't. But then they started coming up with inheritance tax. Well, of course, the rich want a way out of that, so the rich created uh, trusts. You know, uh, irrevocable trusts. And they could inherit land. And they could inherit houses. And they could inherit businesses. They didn't have to pay any taxes on it. All they needed to do is get a lawyer to write up an irrevocable trust. And they did it for years. I've written them up. Of course, I don't have anything you can inherit, inherit from me, <laughs> except the truth. But that they passed a law in March this this year. You can't do that anymore. All fifty states, you can't do that anymore. They can come after you and they can tax you. And and if you had a if your house doubled in value because of inflation. Your taxes doubled. They can take twice as much in taxes now because the value is twice as much. And you can't hide in an irrevocable trust. So now I can guarantee you the IRS and the new 60,000 or 80,000 agents, I don't know, that, that supposedly that was going through and then it was going to be rolled back and then now it was going to go through again. So whatever they do. I mean, they're they're out to rob every widow and orphan force them to sell their house, to pay the taxes, to get enough money that they can't buy another house. That's that, And they're going to rob every widow and orphan in America. And they passed a law in March so they could do that. Now, they passed laws before so that they could do that. But then the workarounds that some people were finding out, well, they just fixed that. Can't do that anymore. They're out to get you. They don't love you. The system of welfare you created is not created on love. You think Schumer loves you? You think Biden loves you? Do you know what love is? Love is not sacrificing your children to get more stuff. I mean, that you'll see that coming. If you have less, less kids, you'll get more benefits. Already, if you come from a foreign country, 
you can get more benefits in America than if you worked here all your life. That's been that way in Australia for quite some time. You need to repent of going the wrong way for the last 100 years and start going the right way. Stop trying to get a feeling because love is not a feeling nor is it a fancy. Love is sacrifice. It's not a sacrifice for those who will scratch your back. It's a sacrifice for people you don't even know. It's a sacrifice for some people that might even hang you on a cross at one point in your life. And you sacrifice and hope that they repent. You know they're not going to get away with it. But you're going to hope that they repent. So, oh, we got more and more people in the queue, but nobody raising their hands. you got to press 1 if you want to ask a question. I have to actually pan down to see how many people are in the queue. So anyway, let's go back to, we'll talk about goats until somebody has a question. You can also type a question in in the chat room. So, like I said, Gerard was writing René Gerard, became concerned with the philosophical anthropology with his mimetic theory, where imitation leading to competition for superiority, leading to uh, revelries, and violent conflict. He suggests that those conflicts are partially relieved by a scapegoat mechanism. He concludes that the ultimate Christianity is the best antidote for this violence. Well, he's absolutely right if he's talking real Christianity. But if you're talking dabbling Christianity or churchanity, that's not going to cut it. Not one the chips are really down. So, anyway, he, he taught that all desire is mimetic and that all conflict originates in the mimetic rival, uh, rivalry. The theory of mimetic desire is based on the observable tendency of human beings to subconsciously imitate others and the extension of this mimesis to the realm of desire. So it's about imitation. And certainly, women will do that a lot. Because they they will dress what they think is fashionable. And, you know, you'll see certain fashions coming in and everybody's going after that fashion. Guys will do it too. But w- women will do it more often. It's a, more commonly a, a woman characteristic. But then the distinction of man and woman is beginning to blur now where people don't even know what a woman is. And uh, there's a lot of reasons for that. And, and psychologically it makes a certain amount of sense. But what he's saying is that even our morality is going to be, you know, it's a, we'll become creatures of habit. And there is references in the Bible, you know, to train up thy son uh, in his youth so that he will be more likely to follow a certain path when he gets older. And that's true to some degree, but I've also seen plenty of Jehovah Witness kids raised up in a very strict family who were maybe a little bit hypocritical. But as soon as those kids got out on their own, they went wild. 
And they they broke every rule in the book. At least some of them did. They broke a lot of rules. And they got into a lot of trouble and got into addictions and got into all kinds of stuff. Because their parents were too oppressive on that process of learning and giving them something to imitate. They'd been better off if they had not been so hypocritical as parents themselves. But there is something to that, that, you know, this is why you're to honor your father and your mother so that your days will be longer upon the land. Well, how will that make your days longer? Well, your children will see you taking care of your parents and they will be more likely to take care of you. If they see you neglecting your parents, you can pretty much count on them probably neglecting you. But if you put the government in charge of taking care of your parents and you do no more odd for your parents, then you're the, the mimetic imitation is going to be that they're not going to take care of you. So that's, that's an element. But if there is a spiritual God and a spiritual realm, then you need more than that. You, there are other elements to moving according to the Spirit of God. And see, when you move according to the Spirit of God, you're more likely to receive the revelation. Now, I'm just trying to get you to have the revelation where you start realizing that coveting your neighbor's goods to the men who exercise authority and taking a bite out of your neighbor's so that you can have free stuff is the bad way to go. And, of course, I give you quotes from Pelopius who say, if you become accustomed to living at the expense of others and depending for your livelihood on the property of others, instituting the rule of force in the collection of your funds for your welfare and the taking care of the welfare of your needy, that you will degenerate as a society because the social bonds of society will become weak and atrophied. And you will become more vulnerable to tyrants so that they could come along one day and tell everybody they had to wear masks. And your neighbors would be turning you in if you didn't wear masks. And your neighbors are conservatives. And your neighbors are, you know, voted for Trump. But they'd get all upset if you didn't wear a mask. At least at first. After a while it wore off with them a little bit farther, a little quicker. But that... People people see everybody doing this and they begin to follow. Little kids do this. Immature little kids do this all the time. That's why they play house. Now, if they saw some of the families that I saw where the parents were yelling and screaming at each other all the time and fighting, bickering all the time, when those kids play house, you might have to break up a fight now and then. Because <laughs> they're they're not very good at at uh, being really good parents because they haven't seen the model that will help you understand what it is that you want to be like. Model is made manifest in the spirit that dwells in our subconscious. Those are my words. That's not his words. He talks about models, subject models and objects. Through object, one is drawn to the model, identified by Gerard as the mediator. 
The model is the mediator that draws you to this. Well, of course, some of these same psychological things that he's talking about is why people actually carved idols. You know, it's, you know, we were talking about riots that you, you, you know, we're going when the food, there are real food shortages, you will see real riots. Whether well, I mean, they're already just going into stores and pilfering, but you're going to see them, you know, violently going into the grocery store, not just getting a big screen TV, but going into the grocery store. Except there won't be anything on the shelf in the grocery store. And then, so then you'll have people just breaking into homes, and, and the average block is completely on, not ready. Like I said, back in the Northridge earthquake when I was living there 50, 60 years ago, they uh, must have been, yeah, 60 some years ago. The you know we let everybody come and take water over our pools so that they could flush their toilets because we had no water. It was all gone. There were government trucks that came by with, you know, water. You could go down there and fill up jugs, get you through. And there were places where you'd go get water and fill up with jugs. It probably wasn't a good idea to drink the pool water. <laughs> but anyway, but the guy directly behind us, he guarded his pool with a gun. Well, you know, we got the water running in, you know, five, six days. And we didn't need that. But we were down, walking down into the deep end to get water out to, <laughs> to flush the toilets. All our neighbors, just regular line, coming to get in a bucket of water to like, flush their toilets. But other people were not so unselfish. But if this went on for three weeks, four weeks, and the water trucks didn't come, what would you do then? What what would happen then? What what would be your mimetic? Now, what would be the character of your desire? What would you be imitating? And do you have a network of people that will actually help you get to a safe place? Is there safe places where you could get water, food, shelter? Oh, you're making your own safe place up in the mountains. Lots of luck with that. As uh, Kirk Douglas said in the movie Big Sky, are you any good at one-eyed sleeping? <laughs> no, but then again, I don't want people to be afraid and come together. You, Because th- that will not do. That will not serve you well. So, uh, we are to believe today that God is no longer pleased with the grotesque ritual blood sacrifice upon altars of clay and stone, because he says, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. And uh, in Matthew 9.13 we see, But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I, have, I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. Who are the sinners? What's the people that are taking a bite out of one another? to take from their neighbor through men who exercise authority one over the other. These are the ones that are leading you astray and leading you in the wrong direction. Deuteronomy 29.4 
Yet the Lord hath not given you a heart to perceive and eyes to see and ears to hear unto this day. So what's he talking about? We've always heard of the phrase, you know, eyes to see and ears to hear. But what of this, uh, yet the Lord hath not given you a heart to perceive. See, if we go back to the beginning of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy is a pretty profound book. It says, these are the words of the covenant which the Lord commanded Moses to make with the children of Israel in the land of Moab beside the covenant which he made with them in Horeb. So this is another covenant. And Moses called unto Israel and said unto them, Ye have seen all that the Lord has did before your eyes in the land of Egypt unto Pharaoh and unto all his servants and unto all his land. The great temptations which thine eyes have seen, the signs and those great miracles, yet the Lord hath not given you a heart to perceive, or eyes to see, and ears to hear unto this day. And I have led you forty years in the wilderness. Your clothes are not waxen, old upon you and thy shoe is not waxen old upon thy foot ye have not eaten bread neither have you drunk wine or strong drink that ye might know that I am the Lord your God and when you come unto this place Sion the king of Hezbon and Og and the king of Bashan came out against us unto battle and we smote them and we took their lands and gave it for an inheritance unto the Reubenites and to the Gadites and to the half-tribe of Manasseh. Keep therefore the word of this covenant and do them that ye may prosper in all that ye do. Ye stand this day all of you before the Lord your God your captains, your tribes, your elders, and your officers, with all the men of Israel, your little ones, your wives, and thy strangers that is in thy camp, from the hewers of wood and the drawers of thy water. Now that's a phrase that's going to show up numerous times. And that actually has to do with a little bit of a corvy system of bondage. But not Corby to the state, but to the individual. It has to do with servants of each individual household. Now, there are all kinds of rules about not abusing the servants. But the reality is there are some people whose mental capacity is simply to be a servant. They can't be, they can't run their own business. They can, they can sometimes be a good employee and work for somebody else. But they just don't have the capacity to run their own business. So they gotta, they gotta eat too. So it has to be somebody that gives them work. And maybe they can't even manage their own money. If you just paid them, that they wouldn't do anything with the money. But if they become a servant in your household, you have to take care of them, but you have to encourage them to, to get their work done. Now they, 
you can set them free. It's not like you went out and captured them and made them a slave, but they need help. And some people are very content to do that if you treat them right for their whole life. As a matter of fact, it may be their only salvation. He goes on to say in verse 17, And ye have seen their abomination and their idols, wood and stone, silver and gold, which were among them. He's talking about the other systems of social welfare, those tables of which we should not eat. He says, you know how we have dwelt in the land of Egypt, where they were in bondage, where a portion of their labor was taken away. Some of it was stored in the granary so that there'd be that resource for welfare system. But... He says, and how we came through the nations which he passed by. So how how they came out of Egypt. They weren't doing that anymore. You've seen how they do it. We don't do it that way. Lest there should be among you a man or a woman or a family or a tribe whose heart turneth away this day from the Lord, from the way of the Lord, which is this way of welfare through free will offerings. For God to go and serve other gods, these, you know, like the, uh, Nisi god of Sumer, the turtle dove goddess of Sumer. They, you end up serving, or the god of Sodom, because you have to give a portion of your labor to them so that they can provide you with the welfare. And it creates loyalty in your city. But when you do that, you go serve other gods. See, everybody in the United States, everybody in Australia, everybody in New Zealand, they're all serving other gods. But they don't know the meaning of those words. Gods are just the ruling judges over the systems of social welfare they've created for themselves. And God says you can go and cry unto the gods which you have chosen for yourself. And he says, and it came to pass when he hears these words of this curse. What curse? That would be verse 18. When you, 17, he says, you've seen their abomination and their idols. And we know that covetousness is idolatry. That's how you end up in those systems of idols. He says, lest there should be amongst you a man or woman or family or tribe whose heart turneth away this day and go serve those other guys, gods of these other nations. Lest there should be among you a root that beareth gall and wormwood. Now, gall and wormwood, that has to do with bitterness. Because those systems lead to bitterness. See, we're, uh, the system that you created with the Federal Reserve is bankrupt the whole country. It's stealing your homes away from you, your, your lands away from you. As soon as you die, that they will swarm in and they will just... You'll have to sell your place. They're going to absolutely impoverish the middle class. They cannot pass on their home to their kids anymore. That they cannot. There, there is a solution to this. It's not a simple solution. Of course, if you're in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, I'd tell you what the solution is, because that solution exists right now. But there's even more of a solution that that you can follow. But I'm not telling you. Is you don't care enough about other people to sit down in the tens, hundreds, the thousands. So, and I'm supposed to make you do that. He goes, by the time he gets to verse 
23 says, like the overthrow of Sodom and Gomorrah, Adma and Zebion, which the Lord overthrew in his anger with in his wrath. Well, right now, remember the wrath of God is the consequences of going against God's way. America's been going against God's way for a hundred years and more. So it, it's going to incur the wrath of God. Which evidently, if we read the rest of 23, and that the whole land thereof is brimstone and salt and burning, that it is not sown, not beareth, nor any grass groweth therein. Well, what's the solution to that? There is a solution, but you have to, you have to start living by faith. I need to go back and check. Oh, there's a hand up. So we'll, we'll, uh, 2839, I see your hand up. And we'll bring you on to ask a question. You gotta get ready to turn your volume up. Okay, can you hear me? 2839. Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Okay, hey, Brother Gregory. Yeah, this is Brother John. Okay. State of Indiana. Okay. Yeah, are you on speakerphone? Can you hear me? Yeah, I am. I'm driving. Oh, okay. Should I just hang up or can you hear me? I can hear you, but uh, there's a lot of background noise. And it's clipping in and out a little bit. Okay. I got your uh, volume here turned up all the way. You you might want to try, uh, try. I can answer your call when you're not driving. I would hate to hear the the last okay. sound you make as a crash. <laughs> uh, but also, then you can roll up. Hey, me, hey, me, me too. Yeah, I've got my windows rolled up. But yeah, um, uh, I should be where I'm going to be at. Uh, in about a half an hour or so, so I'll try back. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll look for the number. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you. You bet. Anyway, so we're all experimenting with this. Yeah, when people say, John, uh, I know lots of John. <laughs> then he said Indiana. And the sounds a little bit different. I've got headphones on and everything. So, but anyway, that's how it works. You raise your hand. Now, he may have to hang up. And call in again because his hand is still sitting up. There may be some button he pushes it. Maybe if he pushes one again, his hand will go down. I don't know. I can see it's up still. Well, we went through a little bit of Deuteronomy then. We can actually go. uh What I was going to go through is this idea of hearing. And I, I, I was just reading the 29 that we're actually given a heart to perceive. And eyes to see and ears to hear. That, and that, that process is a part of that writing upon your hearts and upon your minds. Cause that writing, I mean, God can literally activate your DNA. Uh, you do this all the time. It's called epigenetics. And it will turn on certain elements of your DNA and begin to alter you. But he can also inspire you. And everybody experiences. I just got an email from Desmond, the, you know, the mass formation of psychosis. And, and he was talking about some things. 
that uh, are going on because they're still doing it. You know, the, the first mass formation of psychosis was in COVID. It goes back to the idea, you know, it was with FDR. It was with the Constantinian Church. It's with reformations that weren't really fully reformations. But the ultimate defense against all that is God writing upon your heart and your mind. Giving you ears to hear and eyes to see. Ezekiel 12.2 Son of man, thou dwellest in the midst of the rebellious house which have eyes to see and see not. They have ears to hear and hear not. For they are a rebellious house. This is why people don't get it. Because they want to believe that it's okay to covet their neighbor's goods. They want to believe that they can neglect their responsibilities and keep their rights. You cannot do that. It will not work. The wrath of God will cut you off and you will not, you will not be able to see. Now when you begin to turn around and go the right way, you may be still looking through a glass dimly and you won't see everything as clearly as you need to see it. But Proverbs 20.12 tells us the hearing ear and the seeing eye the Lord hath made even both of them. So if you're going to see what I'm talking about, this is because I'm real clever and I said it in such a clear way. It's because God is giving it you to see. Now, I've seen over the years many people who begin to see this. They get to to a wall like the run fat boy run story. And they can't get past that wall. And they backslide. What you see today, you may not see tomorrow if you do not continue. This is why Jesus uses words like strive, persevere, seek. It's a process. You have to do it. You can't just go off and be comfortable. And you can't just seek for yourself. You have to seek for others. And then if we read in Isaiah 6, 9, and we'll read a couple of verses there. And he said, go and tell the people, hear ye indeed, but understand not. And see ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat. Make their ears heavy. And shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes. And hear with their ears. And understand with their heart. And convert and be healed. He's saying make their heart of this this people fat. Does that have anything to do with clogged arteries? That word fat means something else. And of course when he says don't eat the fat of this ox and this sheep. He's he's not really talking about not eating fat any more than he's not talking. He's not talking about boiling a kid in his mother's milk. He's not talking about getting eleven out of his house. There's so many of these things. He's not talking about you have to actually make underwear for your ministers. You know, sew breeches. He was never saying that. It's another whole message. Now, this can get so it's so thick that you. I mean, your head will literally swim with these ideas. Anyway, so Isaiah 6, 9, 
And he said, Go and tell the people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not. People read the Bible, but they don't understand it. They're they're not really fully grasping what it's saying there. Matthew thirteen eleven. He answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. For whosoever hath to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not from him shall be taken away, even that he hath. So the more you see, the more you act upon what you see, the more you will be able to see, the more God will give you. Therefore, speak I to them in parables, because they see, see not, hearing they hear not. So this is what I was saying this morning, that they, the, the Bible is intentionally ambiguous, full of metaphors and allegories, because it's, the Bible is not leading you to the tree of knowledge. If you read all the Bible, memorize all the verses, everything, that's still over in the tree of knowledge. The tree of life is the Holy Spirit. That's what you're going to need to, because then that's going to tell you when to turn left, when to put on the brake, when to go forward, when to not eat this, when to eat this. It's going to protect you that way. But each of you need to wake that up. But if you strive, if you seek, God will also send people in your way to help you with that. But he will also send people in your way that you can help. Because it's just like AA, you know. At first you get a sponsor, he helps you. Eventually you become a sponsor and you help somebody else. That's absolutely essential. And that's actually part of that mimetic, that imitation. That It's a learn by doing. And people are always telling me the kingdom is about relations. You have to accept the Lord Jesus and have a relationship with him. But they often have just a relationship emotionally with him. That they don't really have, because the relationship you have with God is one of contentment. It's it, it, you are you're you at times you will feel happy because you are not being plagued by depression. You're not de, you're not having mood swings back and forth. The Holy Spirit does not give you mood swings back and forth. It doesn't give you depression. If you're having those things, then you, you, you probably need more of the Holy Spirit. But he goes on in Matthew 13, 13. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing ye shall hear and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is wax gross, and their ears are dull in hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted. 
and I should heal them. They don't want it. They love darkness. They they want to live in darkness. They are afraid of the light. Don't be afraid of the light. John eight forty three. Why do ye not understand my speech, even because ye cannot hear my words? That saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he speaks. Lord, this is John twelve thirty eight. They could not believe. Because Isaiah said again, He hath blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, and they should not see with their eyes nor understand with their hearts and be converted, and I should heal them. So it's said in in several different places. It's a repeated idea. It's a repeated concept. But... Uh, even in Acts twenty eight twenty six, saying, Go unto this people and say, Hearing ye shall hear and shall not understand. I mean, they, they just keep repeating this. And it's because your eyes are darkened. So now the question is, while we still have time, how do we lift the scales from our eyes? We can't do it with our intellect. We can't do it by eating of the tree of knowledge. So how do you do it? Well, do, do we get any hint in Second Corinthians 3.15 when it says, But even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. The Pharisees weren't getting it. The veil was on their heart. But in Ephesians 4.18 it says, Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God, the tree of life, through the ignorance that is in them because of their blindness of their heart. Because the heart doesn't want to see. See, in order to see the light, there's going to be some pain. This is why Adam and Eve fled the light. They fled the garden. They hid from God. You're doing that. And where do you hide? You hide in false religion. Or in no religion. Or the religion of atheism. Second Thessalonians 2.10 and with all deceivable and unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusions, that they should believe a lie. And of course people believe a lie. They believe that America is the freest country in the world. No, it's not. It had the opportunity of being free, but it's not the freest country in the world. It's actually gone the way of the goat. It's gone the opposite way of righteousness. Since God is the same today as he was yesterday, why did he not say he wanted mercy from the beginning? Why didn't he tell us that? Or did he? For I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings? That's Hosea 6.6. 6. That isn't a new thing. That's an old thing. Samuel 15.21 But the people took of the spoils uh, sheep and oxen and chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. 
Now, that was one of the things, is that you you couldn't take a spoil. They said you had to destroy it. Well, no, you don't actually have to destroy it, but you have to, it has to be destroyed to you. It cannot personally profit you to make war like it did. And, of course, you know, to some degree, Julius Caesar kept that word. He did not use it to, for personal profit. He took almost everything that he got, all the slaves that he sold, all those uh, French gals from Gaul and that he sold into slavery, into Africa and everywhere. Their lives are absolutely devastated. Whole cultures, a million people he sold into slavery or killed before he even came back to Rome. That's why they said he should have been tried for war crimes. And there were Romans who wanted to do that. But he sold all those slaves and gave the money to the people through their social welfare system that was already getting into trouble. But he made them even more addicted to that social welfare. So, Moses said, no, you can't profit from these battles. You have to destroy it. You have to burn it up as like an offering. In other words, you, you do give it to the poor, but you don't give it to the poor so that you gain the prestige of Julius Caesar. Because you don't see the hand that gives it. This is what Jesus was saying. You know, don't you don't go up to the front of the, and say, well, I gave this much. Your minister may know what you gave. You don't broadcast it to everybody. They don't know how much you gave. God knows. Your minister knows. But, see, you're not buying influence. But, of course, now, see, where Julius Caesar was, the Republic had already started becoming an indirect democracy. So, he was able to buy votes with the, by selling all those goals into slavery. Well, they were, they were not doing exactly the same thing, but he says, Samuel said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. So why is he talking about the fat of rams all of a sudden? Because he's talking about the profit from the sacrifice. You're not supposed to get a profit from the sacrifice. Now, Levites could eat of the sacrifice because they're spending all their time doing this. But they weren't to profit from it. They weren't to have these lavish quarters. And that was what we find, that at the time of Herod, they had huge lavish quarters, but the high priest had even more lavish quarters than the king himself. That's not the poor preachers of Christ. So, he, he talks about not eating the fat of rams, but in Psalms 57, Hear, O my people, and I will speak, O Israel, and I will testify against thee. I am God, even thy God. I will not reprove thee for thy sacrifice or thy burnt offerings to have been continually before me, for every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle Upon a thousand hills. People are like, we're taking our sheep to the to the temple to be burned up to give it to God. He already owns it. That's not the point. The point is to take care of one another. 
to provide for one another with your sacrifice. This is why we know they weren't burning up all those sheep on piles of stone. They were creating a social welfare system that was operating by charity. Proverbs 21, 2. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord pondereth the heart. To do justice and judgment is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. Why did the Pharisees get, they weren't attending to the weightier matters of law, judgment, mercy, and faith. Now, we, you know, if it was a hundred years ago, I would be teaching you jury nullification and don't take an oath and all that stuff, but I would still have to be focusing on getting away from legal charity and back to fervent charity. In fervent charity, there is the first fruits offering. Because we're always jump, we're casting our bread upon the waters in hopes that it will come back to us after many days. In Ecclesiastes 5 1, it says, Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God and be more ready to hear than to give sacrifice of fools. We talked about that in our study on it. Sacrifice of fools, that's what you're doing now. It was foolish when Solomon forced an offering. But now you're all forcing an offering. So you can have free education, free schooling, free health care, take care of my parents. But in Isaiah 1.10 it says, Hear the word of the Lord, ye rulers of Sodom. Give ear unto the law of our God, ye people of Gomer. Because Sodom and Gomorrah had set up a system of forced offering, just like Herod did, just like FDR did. He goes on in, in verse 11, To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me, saith the Lord? I am full of the burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beasts. And I delight not in the blood of bullocks or of lambs or of goats. When you come to appear before me, who hath required this of your hand, I tread my courts. Who hath required this at your hands to tread my courts? Bring no more vain oblations. Incense is an abomination unto me. And new moons and Sabbaths and calling of assemblies. I cannot away with. It is iniquity. Even the solemn meetings. Who's he talking to? He's talking to Sodom and Gomorrah. Because they have that system that is an abomination. Your new moons and your appointed feasts. My, see, this is what amazes me. Is You know, Prager, Dennis Prager, even um, uh, Ben Shapiro, Orthodox, you know, Pharisee. Not that he's a Pharisee like the others, but actually he is. Because he says, we don't need government to do everything for us. Yes, we have to have a social safety net. That's what Judaism was, originally. That's what the Israelites were doing. That's what their altars were. He doesn't know that. Smart guy. Jesus is way smarter than me. But he doesn't know that. So he's a fool. Because he's he's depending on the sacrifice of fools for their welfare. I'm, I'm pretty sure his kids don't go to public school. But, uh, I don't know, is his parents on 
Social Security. They don't need to be. He makes enough money. They don't need to take a dime from that. And we know it's going to be broke this morning. They said it was going to be broke by 33 and actually, you know, 2000. Uh, yeah, 2033 in 10 years. It will be absolutely zero broke. But it really is broke today. It's been broke since its beginning. Because there is no division of funds and we've been in the red since the beginning. What's happened is you've all become a surety for the debt that they don't want you to pay off. So the only way out is to get out. Because you have to get out by seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness and they will spew you out because... They hate the light. You have to become the light. You have to become a, a point of revelation yourself. It's not just learning all these different things and all these different quotes and playing new moons. He goes on in verse 15, And when ye spread forth your hand, I will hide mine eyes from you. Yea, when ye make many prayers, I will not hear your hands are full of blood because you've created a city of blood. You're in the cauldron of the United States federal government and you be the flesh. And yeah, your parents put you there, but don't have any anger against them. You would have done the same. Maybe you did the same already. I don't know how old you are. But to see, what did we talk about at the beginning? That's given to you by God. Do not boast of it. You would not see any of this except as a gift from God. It's not because I told you. I'm playing my part. I'm this recording. But you have to see that. So what does he say in verse 16? Wash you. Make you clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes. Cease to do evil. Stop coveting your neighbor's goods. The only way you can do that, because we're coming on some serious dirt here, is to sit down the tens, hundreds, and thousands, start giving the first fruit offering, start giving, casting your bread upon the water, start sacrificing in real ways. Learn to do well. Seek judgment. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless. Plead for the widow. Because see, there is an irrevocable trust. That they can't do away with. But we won't talk about that now. <laughs> Isaiah 58, 3 uh, through 6. Verse 3. Wherefore have we fasted? Is not this the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bands of wickedness? To undo the heavy burdens? And to let the oppressed go free? And that ye break every yoke? Okay. I've been fasting since yesterday. (laughs) But we have to fast from unrighteousness and seek the righteousness. So, I mean, the, the Bible just goes on and on and on about these ideas taking care of one another. I have uh, some articles coming up here. Also, again, Burning Bush Festival this weekend. Not this weekend, but the first weekend of September. If you want to come, let us know. Uh, let us know on the network. Send it to the groups. Explain that you're coming. 
if you want to keep some information about, you know, your exact location and all that kind of stuff, things you might need, will you need a campsite, how many people are coming. I mean, basically, everybody this morning, uh, Paul was saying, it was sounded like I was saying that you don't have to bring all your own food. You should bring all your own food. We're going to put up food, too, as we do this on a regular basis when we have these events. But ultimately, we, as the ministers, should not have to do any cooking. <laughs> we should just be going around snacking at your your cooking places. But we really don't have good places to put up all the fires and, and, and all the firewood and everything. We're having that uh, spring festival, and we're getting better at it. We have a mobile kitchen now, and uh, that's pretty good. But we need to know how many people are coming so that we can prepare for it. Uh, just because it, it, you know, if, if we end up feeding you a lot, you just give us a bigger donation. We're not charging for it. The, the spring festival, it, it's a charge thing because I don't sponsor it. But the church, we don't charge for what we're doing at the Burning Bush Festival. But, uh, you, you want to be taking back your responsibilities. You want to be contributing to everybody's effort. And it will go better and better and better. You don't want to be coming and just uh, eating and and stealing all my plums. <laughs> I don't know who's on the uh, uh, listening, but uh, he might hear that. Because I sent him a picture. Of the, well, I didn't send him the picture. I took the picture of the plum tree. Looks like there's going to be a lot of plums on it. I, can, I don't know how he can eat so many plums, the guy who comes every year. Because uh, th- these are big plums. These are Luther, Luther Burbank plums. So anyway, uh, back to, I was going to try to find out where I was, but I have an article coming up on, you know, strange fire. What is strange fire? That's another word. It means something different. It means woman. It means wife. Most of the time when they talk about adultery in the Bible, they're talking about national adultery. They're not talking about individual personal adultery, which is not good. But like I say, overeating is adultery. You're adulterating your body. Eating the wrong kinds of food is adultery. Because you're adulterating your body. Taking drugs is adultery. It's also attempted murder. Because you're trying to kill yourself. So, I mean, there's an overlap here. But these principles, these ten statements are telling you, don't go down this road. Don't covet thy neighbor's goods. Don't covet thy neighbor's goods through systems of social welfare, even if they're set up by FDR. Don't do that. But you're not to covet your neighbor's goods even in the church. You you want to hesitate. We don't want you to not ask for help. If you need help, ask for help. But I, I, I want to hear ten times before anybody asks for help. I want to hear people say, how can I help? <laughs> if I hear that all morning long when I hear somebody say, I need some help, we will all be anxious to help you. That's the spirit of the kingdom. You don't come to get helped. You come to be of help to others. Because you don't come that you might be loved. You come that you might get an opportunity to love others. That's the gospel. Now, you can say that in most churches, but then they send you to the men who exercise authority. And we've seen that unrighteous mammon, that's entrusted wealth, all the money you've paid in, that's entrusted wealth. That's supposedly an irrevocable trust. 
you paid in and you promised your labor. That's the pledge. That's why, that's why you're back in the bondage of Egypt. You pledged a portion of your labor if they would take care of your parents. And now they've taken care of your parents and they gave you public education and they did all these things. And they did it by borrowing money so now you're in debt and your children are in debt for generations to come. But that's the unrighteous mammon because it's based on fulfilling or filling up that treasury by force, by compelled offerings. So it's unrighteous. Doesn't mean you're not to pay your taxes, but know this, the unrighteous mammon will fail. And there will not be any food in the streets. I remember a guy gave a prophecy. He said that uh, they would, we would have people plowing up the blacktop and planting gardens. Well, actually, I saw a place the other day. Uh, it was on TV, wasn't locally, but it was. It's a, somebody has a big uh, apartment complex, and uh, they literally plowed up. They broke up the asphalt. And they put it in a garden. They got raised beds everywhere. And the people who stay there are growing a huge, huge garden. It, I think it's in Florida. It looks like some warm place. But they're still in the middle of the, middle of the city. But, uh, you know, so be it. Isaiah, I said 58, wherefore have we fasted? That Fasting is a very important part of not only your physical health, physical fasting, but spiritual fasting. Fasting from those things that are a distraction. So in Jeremiah 7.22, we hear him say, For I spake unto your fathers, nor commanded them in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt concerning burnt offerings and sacrifices. But this thing commanded I them saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and ye shall be my people, and walk ye in all the ways that I have commanded you, that it may be well with you. But they hearkened not, nor inclined their ears, but walked in the counsel and the imagination, the mimetic of their evil heart, and went backwards and not forwards. And they've returned to the bondage of Egypt. And you've returned to the bondage of Egypt. So, in Daniel 4.27, we see, Wherefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable unto thee, and break off thy sins by righteousness. That's how you break off your sins. By righteousness. And thine iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. It is not showing mercy to the poor to take away from one group of citizens to give to the other by force. That weakens the poor. If it may be a lengthening of thy tranquility. So he's saying that he wants to break off the sin with righteousness and break off the iniquities by showing mercy. By forgiving debt. What was the good servant? He he said, well, how much do you owe? I owe this much. How much can you pay? I can only pay this much. Paid in full. That's the principle of tax collection in the kingdom of God. Nobody's forced to give. But I can tell you this, that if you don't invest in one another, invest in the kingdom by investing in one another through casting your bread upon the waters, you will not stick around. 
you'll leave. You'll get bored. You'll leave. Now, if you're just sticking around to get, you should be coming around to give. Because that's coming in the name of Christ. Because that's what he did. See, in Amos 5.21 it says, I hate, I despise your feast, and I will not smell in your solemn assembly. Though ye offer me burnt offerings and your meat offerings, I will not accept them. Neither will I regard the peace offerings of your fat beasts. Again, that fat is coming in. I'm not going to regard it. Take thou away from me the noise of thy songs. Everybody's singing in church while people are being robbed every day. Widows all over the country are going to be robbed. Orphans all over the country are going to be robbed by the IRS. Fifty states. This is now the law. Everywhere. That if you die, they're going to tax your house. You say, well, my house is only worth 100000 Yeah, today it's worth 200000 because of inflation. They're going to tax that $100,000 home based on its value now, estate value now. And your family's going to have to come up with thousands and thousands of dollars in estate tax. And many people, I've already seen this, will have to sell their homes in order to pay the tax. You will owe nothing. You already owe nothing. But I don't think you're going to be happy. They're going to be happy. But they won't be happy for long either because I know where it's all going after this. (laughs) That's not going to help you if you don't repent now and seek the kingdom of heaven and the righteousness of God with your whole heart, mind, and soul. So take thou away the noise of thy songs for I will not hear the melody of thy vials or thy organs or thy guitars but let judgment run down as waters and righteousness as a mighty stream. So we don't only just take care of ourselves. We have to set up a social welfare system that will help take care of other people. It's going to take a lot of sacrifice. A lot. Micah 6.6 6. Wherewith shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God. Shall I come before him with burnt offerings? With calves of a year old? Remember the other one? We're three years old. A year old calf. What is that going to weigh? 600, 800 pounds. Oh, maybe more. At least 800 pounds. Shall I give my firstborn... I should go back and read the rest. Verse 7. Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgressions, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Well, yeah. But you have to do it out of love. That's absolutely essential that you do it out of love. He goes on to say, He has showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord requireth of thee, but to do justly, and to love mercy, 
and to walk humbly with thy God? The Lord's voice crieth unto the city, unto the city, not unto the tents. And the man of wisdom shall see thy name. Hear ye the rod. That's the measuring rod. And who hath appointed it? Are there yet the treasures of wickedness in the house of the wicked? And the scant measure that is abominable? Absolutely. It's there. And we need to turn around and go the other way. So, you know, this Ray Gerard, he wrote Violence and the Sacred. And of course now, what I was saying, this mimic, imitating, that you do things a certain way, you will have a tendency to imitate them. The model, you know, I, I touch on it a little bit, but it can be very heady and confusing. So now I want to relate it to, to things you already know about. You know, I said, you know, you train up a son in, in the ways so that that he will, it will become a habit. What what are, are some of the other things? Like we were just reading there. Are there yet the treasures of the wickedness in the house of the wicked in the scant measure that is abominable? The scant measure is that where people are being stingy. You're talking about people being stingy and they're not giving. And he had asked about the firstborn. Give my firstborn for my transgression. That's the first fruits. Firstborn lamb, firstborn goat, firstborn uh, whatever it is that you raise. And of course, they were mostly agriculture. So that's representative of the first first fruits of your production. But uh, in John fourteen six, it says, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And what did Jesus do? He laid down his life so that others might be saved. And so that's what you have to do is is to lay down your life that you might be saved. So, anyway, up here. I got one hour and 15 minutes. I don't know if I'll make it all the way to the end. My wife is down south helping people. She's working... Uh, my son took a job taking care of a dormitory of uh, foreign students. And uh, actually his wife took the job and so he's helping her. And and that's the son, the same son who is the county commissioner here in Lake County. That that was just some bizarre thing that showed up that suddenly my son is the county commissioner. Suddenly we have this land out here. Suddenly, you know, I God is showing me all these things. I can't get it down fast enough looking at all these different translations. And now I have to go back to when I was first beginning to, my eyes were opening up and I wrote the article on Scapegoat. And so I, I was using the software to look at the Hebrew and some of it inverted it. And some of it used uh, fonts that don't show up at preparing you. So I have to go and change all those things. And so it's, you know, the other day I was in here from uh, about 4.30 Five o'clock and till I don't know it was like three o'clock and I went out and just was running literally running from truck to the shop and and trying to put things together and everything and I still wanted to go out to the other place I was going to do that today but 
then other things got in the way and I had to bring the sheep back. And so <laughs> it's just, you know, I'm, I'm just hitting the ground running all the time. But I really should spend even more time in here. I can't spend all this time in here. Because uh, I see there's so many things to write and put down. Uh, so that people, and, and put it down in an orderly fashion so that people can go through it without all the typos, without all the inverted Hebrew, and, and so that it is just clean and pristine as I can possibly get it, so that people, when they do come, and they begin to see that we need to do this, they, they can fast track it. Things that happened to me in my life way back, this is, this is what I believe will happen. It's my hope, it's my prayer, but I don't nag God because God knows God knows the timing. I know that billions of people in in the world, billions of people in America, Canada, Mexico, they've bought into this idea of social welfare through the state, where they can't even imagine doing it through the churches. They've completely forgot the poor man of Ecclesiastes as. Ecclesiastes said they would. They would not remember. And now if you were to tell them that that's what we need to do, they would tell you that's impossible. We can't do it. I've already had people tell me that. I had, you know, I was in Maryland. I was explaining this to somebody 30 years ago. And, uh, and he says it's impossible. They'll be wiped out. That, uh, you know, one, one, ba- you know, one, person in your congregation get cancer everybody will be broke so we have to go to the government but what is the government got more money no they just print more money you're still sucking the life out of everybody you're still taking intravenous blood from everybody but you're doing it by force if you would do it the way Christ said I've seen people 100% cured from cancer I've I've I, there's stories all over where people are just racked with cancer, racked with other problems, health problems. I'm supposed to have died several times already. And then God shows me a remedy. I still have, you know, health issues. Some of them keep me in here. Some of them make me get out. <laughs> but the fact is the laborers are few. The contributors are even less. And I don't want you contributing to me necessarily. I mean, I want you to contribute where God is putting it on your heart. It's, it's not a pain. It's, it has to be a joy. If it's not a joy, it's not right. It has to be a joy. Now, sometimes it's a little resistance, you know, like the old Abbott Costello where he's handing him the $10 bill and he, he pulls it, but it's still in Abbott's or, or Costello's hand. <laughs> He's having trouble letting go. I understand that. But there's no way I can tell you that it's not charity that God preached. Because the same word for charity is the same word for love. And that's how you get your ears cleaned out. This is how you get your eyes open. You have to give. Give your time, your energy to the service of God. It has to be the service of God. You can't just throw money out the window. You can't just give to the stranger on the street. It's not just about, you know, jumping on grenades. It's about doing what God is fasting from doing your will. Not my will, but thine. That is the prayer that you have to do. 
Not my will, but thine. But you have to know what his will is. Uh, you can read the book and get a kind of rough idea, but to actually know what you personally need to do, you need to be still and know, which is why we have a page on meditation. I, I encourage everybody to practice that. Meditation will not teach you. God will teach you. But the meditation may help you quiet your mind and your heart enough to hear the Lord. That's one aspect. Because, you know, the Bible tells you, go and cry unto the gods which you have chosen for yourself. Go and cry unto uh, the kings that you have chosen for yourself, the presidents that you have chosen for yourself. It's not going to be the answer. It's got to be God is the answer. And and you have to actually, you know, one of the things when the kids take on a pet or take on a chore of a particular animal, they have to take care of that. They have to, my wife has a tendency to, they, if they don't give them water, she'll just go out and do it. I said, no, 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 no. they got to go out and do it. And and they've done it. And all my kids are workers. Uh, they're they always get out and do things. And uh, and amazingly, sometimes they show up when you least expect them to help. <laughs> you know, I, I, I think it would be so great all my sons were here and even some of my daughters and their sons or their husbands, my son-in-laws, were here and we were all working on this together. But it's not meant to be yet. There will come a time where that will have to be. But uh, right now, they have to be following what God is teaching them. They have to learn to follow the Holy Spirit, too. They're not just follow their Father. I have to, this is the, you know, the, the crucifixion of Christ and, and the, you know, where Mary is holding Christ's body. Every mother has to let go of their son. Every father has to raise their sons to be men, not to be their servants. And so they had to go out and make their mistakes and, and challenge the things in life to learn that. You, your kids have, have to do the same thing. Hopefully they will. But you are a child of God. You are out here to try to figure out what you need to do for God in this moment. And it can be the littlest thing. I remember with when I was uh, visiting John Stewart. He's passed away now. And it was a weird thing how he even got there and he ended up being there. And it was when they, they got their property and all this kind of stuff. A big long story and everything. But he loaned me a bike because I was pretty much busting it and going around speaking different places that way. But I was, it was one of those trips where I just didn't know where I was going to be from one day to the next. I was gone for over a month. And uh, I, when I got home, I literally slept for two days. <laughs> a lot, a lot of going on in the, uh, that whole thing, but I, I made it through it, and uh, you know that was casting my bread upon the waters. God was, showed me all kinds of things, and I hopefully I help God show other people all kinds of things. But he, he gave me a bike, and we were going off to when he was going to purchase the property, and we we're going to meet at a place. We were in Kansas, and uh, I'm riding the bike, and. I, I'm a little bit behind them. It's not the best bike and everything. And 
all of a sudden I saw a nail, just a little nail on the road. As I was going, my eye caught it, just like like a focus on it. As I was zooming by on the bike, and I got like 50 feet beyond it, and I knew I have to go back and pick up that nail. I knew God wanted me to go back and pick up that nail. The the way in which my eyes caught it and saw it and focused it, and, and what. And it's learning to distinguish when it's God and when it's our own emotions is a very, it's not difficult, but it's the challenge. And and so, what does God want you to do in a given moment? Well, he wanted me to pick up that nail. I should have stopped instantly and picked it up. Now I had to ride the 50 feet back, reach down, pick it up, and then get on the bike and then try to catch up with them. Well, now they're a half a mile ahead of me. <laughs> but I, I did catch up with them and everything. But they were both they were both asking me, "What'd you go back for?" What was and so I had to tell them that you know. I, I'll tell you a story. It goes way back on my 18th, uh, the day before my 18th birthday. I was in. Boston, Dorchester, Massachusetts. And uh, I had been driving night and day and traveling around. Big, long adventure. Uh, my brother was with me. And we were in this old 57 Dodge station wagon. Now, this is a long time ago. <laughs> I'm old. <laughs> and uh, we bought a hamburger and a milkshake each uh, at one of these, like, drive-in, uh, uh, you know, where you park and, and then you can eat in your car. And uh, I, I bought the stuff in and then we took it into the car, but it was pouring rain, absolutely pouring rain. And we ate and everything. And then, I mean, I was just like tangling. I was so exhausted. And uh, we took all our trash and put it back in the bag and everything. And uh, I knew, I knew in my heart, I should get up and go throw it in the trash. I had to, I would have to run through the rain, and it was just pouring rain, and throw it in the trash. The trash was over there. We were parked really kind of far away, uh, but I could do it. But I just was lazy. I was selfish, and I just took it and I set it neatly outside the car door. And we drove off to where we were going to camp out out of town. The next day, I came back in to town, and I I was we were going to buy food at another place. We had to be there for some reason. I don't remember what it was, but anyway, uh, there was a help wanted sign and in the, a window, and I said uh, I, I said to the guy, I says, uh, I see you have a help wanted sign. Is that still open? And he says, Yeah. Are you 18? I says, I will be tomorrow. And uh, and so he says, okay, we show up tomorrow and you're hired. So that was, I, I was a shorter cook there. But the disagreeable task that I had was going out in the parking lot and picking up all the trash that all those other lazy people left there. <laughs> and I, uh, that was a very humbling experience. And I knew that God 
God let me choose to listen to him and throw that trash away or leave it for somebody else. Don't leave your trash for somebody else. Don't leave your mistakes for somebody else. Don't blame somebody else for the predicament that we're in today. It's our fault. We have to start taking back our responsibility. Oh, I see that hand is raised again, I think. Uh, so anyway, I'm going to take that phone call. But anyway, so that's what I learned from that event on my 18th birthday. <laughs> it actually took me probably a couple of months till I really realized that God told me to take that. I saw that trash thing. I should have taken it to the trash. I didn't take it to the trash. I was lazy. Don't be a lazy seeker of the kingdom. Persevere. Strive. Seek. So anyway, we'll take that call now from John. See if okay. It can. okay. Yeah, are we connected? Okay, I got to turn your volume up. Speak up as loud as you can so I get your volume. Okay, can you hear me now? Yeah, good. Okay, good. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, finally at my campsite. Okay. Now, you're in Indiana. What part of Indiana are you in, just for the listeners? Uh, right now, I'm in uh, Brown County, okay. Indiana. Yeah, and it's it's funny because yesterday I was listening to some of your older uh, broadcasts, and you mentioned um, IBT. Oh yeah, yeah, I was there. The Indianapolis Baptist. Yeah, Indianapolis Baptist. I went to school there. Went to church there. Oh okay. I haven't had a. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to because you mentioned that it was on the. You know, you had a thing written up about it, but I haven't had a chance to really look into it. And I remember. You know, that he got into trouble. It was something uh, with the taxes of not paying the uh, daycare or something like that, I remember, right? Well, I have I have about. several recordings. I don't know if I have it on the page that we have the article, uh, but I have several recordings about the IBT, but I also have a page, IBT, I think, at Preparing You. But, yeah, that was a fascinating journey. All of a sudden... I was inspired to go to Indianapolis Baptist Temple. They were having this big conference. And I'm not a big Baptist kind of guy. I, that was the way I was raised. But I, I felt a calling to go there. And uh, I, I mentioned that it was happening. But I hadn't decided to go. And my wife said I should go. Well, my wife doesn't tell me to go anywhere. Uh, certainly not all the way across the country when we're barely eking by with uh, living as we were and all the chores have to be left behind and all that stuff. And then my daughter heard about it and she said I should go. So I had two witnesses telling me I should go and then somebody called me and told me I should go. So I had all these witnesses. It was that that place deal. And uh, when I was packing up my little meager deal I was going to go by train and uh, uh, my daughter said "Are you? do they know you're coming I said no <laughs> God knows I'm coming but nobody else does <laughs> and he says well then you're, are you going to speak she said and I says I don't know they don't know I'm coming and she said she looked at me and she she's done this before she has these premonitions and she said you will speak well I was the first one to speak because the other speaker didn't make it but how did I get to be the first to speak and not, nobody even knows that I was coming? Well, when I left the train station at 4 o'clock in the morning, I hitchhiked towards the, 
you know, I was going to try to catch a bus, but there was no buses. I think it came in on a Sunday or something. And so I was hitchhiking down to where I thought the church was. And nobody would come by. There was a no traffic, 4 o'clock in the morning, 4.30 in the morning. I'm still walking. I got like miles to walk from the train station to the church. You probably know where right. that is. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And uh, I'm carrying uh, one satchel of books. I still have the satchel here. It was just full of books that weighed like 80 pounds. And then my meager, you know, sleeping clothes and extra pair of chains and everything and a little thing. So I'm kind of getting my right arm stretched out. and But I'm trying to thumb with my other arm. <laughs> and a guy stops me and picks me up. And he asks me where I'm going. And I say, Indianapolis Baptist Temple. And he says, why? And so I tell him the whole story. Why I'm coming and everything. And, you know, what I, I've written some books and everything and all this stuff. And uh, it's Dixon. <laughs> it's Dixon driving the car. <laughs> so, so, and I didn't know it was Dixon until because I said he says where are you staying. I says I don't know that yet. I I just know that God said to come. I didn't tell me where I was going to stay. <laughs> so he ended up giving me a, pl- wow. a place to stay. Then he came to me and asked me to be a speaker and. Uh, uh, but I got to see the secret, secret paperwork and what was going on and what was really behind the whole thing. And actually, my father knew their attorney because their attorney was from Redding, California. And he was giving them bad yeah, advice. Uh, their attorney was Cunningham at that particular time. But... I wrote what the problem was. And the funny thing, is, I don't know, funny, but amazing thing is the judge told them what the problem was. And I go through it in the recordings. And we won't get off on that subject because you called about something else. But yeah, that was that was quite an adventure. And I mean, adventure. I don't know if, where all the recordings are, but uh, I've told the story many times of some of the events that happened there that were teaching me about walking in the Spirit. Where all of a sudden God will tell you to stand up, go through those doors, walk down this hallway, stop, wait, now step forward, ask this question. And you don't even know what the question is until it comes out of your mouth. Now I tell that whole story. I'm not going to tell it now, but it's it's in the recordings, in the past recordings. And it's absolutely true. And there there was a guy I met there. He's got to be about my age now. Maybe even a few years older. He's, he's close to my age at the time. He was a redhead. And I think he still lives in Florida. And he rides a bike. And I may see him again someday. <laughs> but anyway, that's just a premonition. So if he's listening, call me. <laughs> so anyway, so what what did you want to talk about? Well, it's just funny that just a few things real quick here. I, I just wonder was. When he when Dixon picked you up, was he in a, like a big black Lincoln? It was a big car. That's what I always. It was it was, yeah, a, it was big a big car. Yeah. Uh, it was a. Uh, it, it may have been black. Yeah, I kind of remember black. Because I, I, I remember about him. He always he always drove a big black big black car. Yeah, he was uh, a pastor emeritus. I eventually met his son and everything, but uh, it it's a fascinating yeah, story. Yeah, I didn't I didn't care for his son because he was a little bit older and all the girls in the school liked him. He was you know, he was a looker. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, he was a good-looking guy when I saw him. Yeah, he was a good-looking guy, and all the girls were like, oh, you know, but... Uh, well, it was some of the things that he did in secret that got him into trouble, but they actually had guys, because at that particular time, and they still do it, the IRS, if you recover tax money that the IRS wanted to collect and you give information so that they could collect it, you can get half of that money. So there was actually a guy, he's actually a part of a team of guys, that was hiding in the roof tiles of Dixon's office and would sneak into his office to collect data to try to get them into trouble. Now, most of what they did was right. They didn't, they really didn't do, I mean, it was, it was shenanigans on the part of the IRS what happened. And I don't want to go into the whole thing because we don't have enough time, but I've, I've got recordings on it already. But, uh, it had to do with cutting mustard. You look up cutting mustard, uh, might be at hisholychurch.org. Uh, there may be an article, IBT, cutting mustard at uh, preparing you and it may have the recordings there and everything i just can't remember but it's a fascinating story because the irs did not have them but they set them up and it was an easy solution but i didn't know about it until it was pretty much too late and they were still paying cunningham to give them bad advice but i go through it all in the recordings so you know, all I can do is cast my bread out there. But it, it's fascinating. I tell you, that was, God taught me a lot. But anyway, what's your, what, what? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I'm a uh, short time listener, first time caller. <laughs> um, uh, my thing is, is that, uh, for, for me, it is, uh, in the military, uh, I was in the military, and any time in, in basic training, you, uh, whenever they teach you something, they, they always say, we're going to give you a demonstration, explanation, and a practical application. And for me, I feel like, you know, Jesus gave us the demonstration. The first church was our demonstration. You, I mean, you can tell by the, your voice, you know, you have talked and talked and talked and have given us plenty of explanation. For me, what I'm looking for is the practical application. And I think, you know, I listened to you talk about Paul wasn't just going around preaching to all these churches. He was bringing, you know, uh, you know funds from the other churches. He was the synopsis of all these the, the little churches that were started. Well, he, he wrote about it. He was not the only guy out there doing this. That, the, you know, the those seven that were chosen in Acts, they were spread out all over the Roman Empire. They, they, and they were certain people. And we see the same seven type of people picked in Ephesus in later stories in Christianity. Uh, we know who those seven, you know, what those seven were doing. We touch upon it. We talk about it from time to time. But what we need to do before yeah. anything is we need the people to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. Now, I am terrible yeah, at names. Have we talked on the phone before? You say first-time caller, yeah. first-time caller on the show. You are the John I'm thinking you are. We we have talked on uh, through Facebook, I believe. 
yeah. Oh. Do the, uh, the, the thing on Facebook there, yes. Okay, okay. Then so you're a different John, because there's another John in the, I think, in the Indian area. And, uh, oh, geez, I am just so terrible at names. God's not letting me remember the name of the person that he's with, although I can picture the person. I think in pictures. And I don't, I don't think it in words, believe it or not. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, I can, but that is not what I normally do. But uh, there's another guy in, in your state. He's probably on the group, on the Google groups. Well, yeah, which, which I have re- I've, I've, I've responded. I've, I've put some things in there, and it's like nothing. And this is what I'm trying to get to is that it seems I feel like alone. I'm, you know, there's no... I think, you know, like I was talking about with Paul, he was bringing, um, you know, information that, oh, this is what this church is doing. I don't see anything. It, it's hard for me to. Well, the, the. It would be nice. It would be nice to see if, if there are groups out there that are, if there are 10, if there are tens out there and they're getting together, it would be nice to see that. It would be nice to see like, well, what are they doing? It would be nice to know that I'm not out here just drifting on my own, and it's, that is, I think, the disconnect. Right. Me, anyway, and I, well, one of the things is, like is that. it feels like that. It feels. We, I probably need to talk to the other ministers about it. I have said things in the past. Is that the Google groups? You know, we'll send out notices when there's recordings, and we'll send out when we sometimes we tell people when there's new pages. Most of the time, when there's new pages or new things I'm working on, I inform the ministers on Monday night when we have a minister call. All the ministers can call in on a conference call, and everybody can share what they're doing or not doing or what they think they ought to do. And then they can take it back to the individual congregations. We don't usually post all that information on the Google Groups. What they're doing in the individual congregations. We don't post that on the Google groups, groups. Because anybody can be on those church groups. I call them Google groups. Some people want us to actually go somewhere else besides Google. That is, that is outside the temple. That is not the living network. That is, everybody who's probably in the living network are on those groups, but they don't conduct their conversations in those congregations. On those groups, they do it in in conference calls or in real life meetings. Now, there's somebody. Uh, actually, I think his name is not John. I think his name is Dennis. At least I, that's the way I'm remembering it right now. And he's called me several times. And there's him and another woman who used to live here in Oregon. For some reason, I can't even remember her name. Uh, there are people in the chat room might know who I'm talking about. She used to come out in a motor home. Now she's moved to the Midwest. Type in her name, or at least her first name, and then that might jog my memory because I know there's people listening in the chat room and they know who I'm talking about. But uh, anyway, they're trying to put together a congregation. They have a kind of a congregation of people there now, but they're trying to bring the other people up to speed with what we talk about. I mean, the the lady, she's been around, she's been here, she's been to the festivals, she used to live in Oregon, but then she had to move back to the Midwest, and she's there, I think, in Indiana, 
and they're talking about buying land and producing food and they're in with some other people and I don't know all of what they're doing but they want to form a congregation that's where people need to go and I, even if you have to post once a day and say I would like to be in a congregation in the Indiana area if you get three people together you can form you know from different families different households you can form a congregation and then you pick one of those people to be the minister of that congregation that person should be somebody who shows up it doesn't have to be somebody with a theological degree, but it's somebody who actually cares. They become a minister. They can come on the minister call, and we will meet every week with them, and we will share what we have. And then we build it that way. But I'm not going to build it. I give. I'm bringing the lumber. I'm bringing the, the you know, if somebody asks, well, what about this? What about that? And the free church reports are online. The Covenants of the Gods are online, all free PDF forms. You can download them right to your phone and read them. And and the recordings, like you say, there you can go look for Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory, and we're on most podcast services. You can just sign up, follow us. The more of you that follow, the more of the other people you get to follow and listen to those shows, the higher up in the ratings we go. But you can find us. And we cover a vast network of topics, but uh, oh we, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not putting in. You have done your job. You have obviously <laughs> done your job, and I understand that. Yeah, you have definitely you have job, and it's up to us. And that's what I'm trying to do. Is I'm trying to like, I want to get. I'm a doer. I'm not. I am not a managerial. Ex- executive type men and families and their families and they have right. to but organize those, themselves those so you people that are good at that right. there are those people that are good at that there are people like me who are good at doing putting hands on and getting things done and then there are those who are good at planning and getting things together I feel like and that's where that's what I need I need to find that person yeah, well, the thing is, is everybody, we have to start finding each other. It's a completely different dynamic than electing somebody and then they go do it. And that, even with the, your, your home churches, they will have somebody that they, they pick to be the minister or whatever and then he's in charge. With us, the minister is not the guy telling you what to believe. He he may have his own opinions about what to believe, and he he may be doing his own study of you know the scripture and his own meditating and everything. But it's the kingdom of God is a nation in the micro. It's every individual, but it's a walk alone together because it's a voluntary walking alone together. So people have to show up. The the number of people that have come and listened for years and years and then got preoccupied with their business or their family and everything, I think a lot of them will come back when they see the people starting to come together. But what's this was this is why in the bondage of Egypt uh that they Moses came in and said, Okay, let my people go and God hardened the heart of the Pharaoh. Wouldn't let them go. Why? Because the people weren't ready to go. 
If they said, okay, you right. guys can just take off, the, they would have been a mess going across the wadi. But during the plagues, they learned to work together. During the time when they weren't getting any straw from the Pharaoh and they had to go get straw themselves, they had to get organized. Like I said, you know, I mean, I just saw a deal, uh, Hovland. You probably know of Hovland, that name, Hovland. I, I, I know his lawyer too. <laughs> and he went to jail. But he was doing stuff that he shouldn't have been doing that the free church warned you against doing. Uh, but I think his heart was in the right place. But he was talking about the journey of, excuse me, the journey of the Israelites down that wadi leaving Egypt proper and then going to the Red Sea where they crossed uh, at Aqaba. Uh, and they said that they could clearly see evidence that somebody moved rocks out of the way, ancient times, so that they could get wagons through. Well, why did they have wagons? Why did they have all these wagons? They had to have the wagons to deliver bricks to the farmers who were building with the bricks and to pick up straw to come back and make more bricks. Well, several things happened. They got very strong. Making bricks requires you to do a lot of exercise. <laughs> uh, they ended up having the best carts, the freight trucks of Egypt to move heavy loads. And they had the oxen. They learned to run oxen so that they could move those loads and transport them so that you could end up getting 600,000 people going out to the desert with freight trucks of of materials uh, to go all the way down there and cross the Red Sea. Those times where God did not let them go was the time to organize. We are coming on that time where people have to organize. That's why we're trying to get all these websites together and put them all up so that uh, that when people start showing up, they can fast-track this information. Hopefully, the Holy Spirit will be working on their hearts and, will fast, and the Holy Spirit will fast-track itself. It will be a quick awakening because time will be short when people really start waking up and start coming together. There are small groups coming together. There have been a lot of people been listening and studying. But we, as as the plagues come, because there are plagues coming. COVID was a fake plague, but there's some real plagues coming. There's some real natural disasters coming. They're coming ashore right now in Mexico. <laughs> but when things start breaking down, and we can see it. I mean, you watch the news. I mean, People are gone insane. Uh, they can't even think rationally anymore. Uh, it, it's amazing. But those of us who have eyes to see and ears to hear, we need to start coming together. Not to be served, not to have ourselves taken care of, but to serve others. And the more we start doing that, the more God will open our eyes and show us more things. I know a whole group of people I know them when they started, and they're very close to the kingdom. They're not in our network, but they're like in a reserve, I think. And they started with a pickup, delivering organic food to neighbors. Now they have semi-trucks leaving their place every day. They truck all the way to Florida. And they are not far from understanding what I'm talking about. 
If God moves on their heart, they could come into this network overnight. And so could a lot of other people. Uh, wheat farmers in South Dakota and who knows what. The resources are there, but they don't belong to me. They belong to God. I know it's my position to tell people how God wants them to organize. But I just had this conversation with one of the ministers this morning. I'm not in the business of hurting cats. God has made me so I cannot remember people's names. Uh, Heather is her name. Uh, Heather, and I think the other guy is Dennis. But anyway, they've called me several times, and they're somewhere in your area. Uh, but uh, I don't even know if they're both on the Indiana group. <laughs> and for all I know, they're in Iowa. I don't know. I, I get words mixed up like that. But that's because I'm not supposed to organize the people. The people are supposed to organize yeah. themselves. Yeah. And yeah, you you have... You are the information man. You are, <laughs> you are the explanation. You are the expla- explanation. You know, like I said, demonstration, explanation, and practical application. Well, we I tell these stories the where application. Yeah, the the application is going to be your you guys' job, and there will be people that are out there that are also doers. There will be people with skills. There will be people with uh, resources. But you have to remember, I just read it, that God owns everything anyway. Despite what Klaus Schwab thinks, God owns owns everything anyway. What we have to do is make sure... I don't worry. I don't worry worry about Klaus Schwab. I don't worry about gravy. None of that bothers. Yeah, I know who's in control. Yeah. That doesn't matter. I just want, what I worry about is making sure that I'm doing what the guy who really is in control wants me to do. And it's different for each of us. Exactly. And so I can't tell people what to do. I can talk in generalities. But I know that Christ commanded that I tell people and require that people sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. And until then, I'm going to tell my stories and my parables and and put it down in black and white. I tell you, the Free Church Report talks about how to form an irrevocable trust where God's fire is between you and the minions of the world. Uh, people try to do it on their own. Somebody was just actually just talking to me about taking that trust that's in the Free Church Report and using it themselves with their own group. And they can certainly do that if they want. But uh, that's not going to be the answer. That's like the guys who came out of Egypt at the same time Moses and his people came out of Egypt, but they decided to go the other route. They didn't go with Moses. And that's not a good idea. Now, they... They get to make that choice, but you want to make sure that when you start making those choices, that you're making them because the Holy Spirit is speaking to you in your heart and your mind. You know, I just talked to one of my grandsons uh, that one of the hardest decisions you will ever make in your life is who's going to be your spouse. And you really want God to make that choice for you. I did. It's worked out. 
<laughs> I I knew early on I couldn't make that choice. But uh, I wish I could say the same. <laughs> well, you're not alone. It's a it's a difficult thing, but there are solutions. But but the other choices, you know, where where to go, where to be, when to call, when to post, when to say something, when not to say something. That's up to it's it's got to be you and the Lord. And in order to do that, in order to open your eyes, and this I never did get to it, but I'll just go from memory because 180 minutes. But why? And I I was listening to Jordan Peterson and and going back over the, their first Exodus because I want to start making videos that explain this. Is that they were they were talking about that God heard their cries. And remembered them. And they, they gave their typical religious explanations of that. But God says over and over again that I will not hear you. You don't have ears to hear and eyes to see. And I will keep those ears to hear and eyes to see <laughs> from you. What, what did they do at that time where now God did hear their voice? Because whatever they did, we have to do so that God will hear our prayers. Because I just read you where he said that he's not going to hear your prayers. He's not going to hear your songs. So there's some sort of criteria in the kingdom of God. And I've alluded to it a hundred times, talked about it today, that we need to do. We need to fast from what we want and do what God wants. On little things, little tiny things. And then he will show us bigger things to do. But if he gives us the big things to do and we go and do the big things, then we're going to start taking credit. And that's what got Moses in trouble. So let's start with the little things. Little things come together in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. If we will do that, and, and you know, I'm not telling people to send a thousand bucks or whatever, but start contributing when you feel right about it. Because... But that's your goal, is to figure out what I must do, what I must look into, pray about, and decide when it feels right to give to my local minister. And then follow that up. You have a responsibility. You gave to him. What you gave to him belongs to Christ, not to him. He now has the right to decide what to do with it. He is in danger if he does not decide according to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And I've told stories about that. You go through enough of my old tapes, you'll hear that. Where where people, you do not want to owe God anything. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I forgave a guy his $1,600 debt. I said, like, you got one month to pay me the $1,600 you owe me. I'm not going to ever bill you again. You, you know you owe it. Uh... And he, he admitted he owed it. There wasn't any question about that. He was just he, he was just shined it on with people all his life. It was a habit. And if he could get out he wanted me to come and do more work and then he'd pay up and I says, No, pay up and then I'll come do more work. You gotta do it that way. That's the agreement. And I says, But if you don't pay me, because I don't bill people, I just send them statements. I said, If you don't pay me by the end of thirty days, I'm gonna turn this over to my collection agent. I'm gonna make this real short. And he, he looks at me kind of funny, like, you have to know the guy. It's funny conversation. And uh, and I says, and just so you know, my collection agency is Jesus Christ. 
So what I'm saying is you will owe Jesus Christ $1,600 and you will owe me nothing because I will give the debt to him. And I will never bother you for it. I will never tell people that you owe me $1,600 because you don't. You owe it to Jesus. And I says, but let me warn you. You don't want to owe Jesus anything. So I would advise you to pay it before the 30 days up. He had plenty of money. He could pay it. He didn't pay it. At the end of 30 days, a wind came up. His barn's right next to another guy's barn. A wind came up and rolled the metal off his barn like a scroll. Piled it up in the field. Just disintegrated like a beaver pile. Broke all the wood up. Just destroyed his barn. <laughs> At 30 days. I think I could have been 31. I, I wasn't counting. I'm not good at dates. But it was right at 30 days. And right at 30 days, I made 10 times that because I was helping somebody else wow. out. And I, I, I didn't, I didn't feel I had a right to that, that money because it, it was a windfall. It just fell into my lap actually because the IRS, the guy had, wanted to buy something that I bought from somebody else to help them out. And he wanted to buy, I won't give all the details, but basically because he was selling a property, he had to buy another thing for X amount of dollars. And I says, you're going to be giving me all kinds of money I don't have a right to. And he says, I don't care. I have to do it. I want that property. And he bought it. And I got this huge windfall. And I took it. And I gave it to the church. And because I won't go over the details except in person. <laughs> but that ended up turning into the money that bought the church property. Uh, which is, you know, some, that's another thing. The church property. How we ever got that. I walked across it once on the feast 40 years ago. And as I was walking across, I was also all of a sudden struck. I says, I'm supposed to buy this property. And, I mean, I was out in the middle of nowhere. And I can tell you, right where I was just standing, where I was standing, when it struck me, I was to buy the property. So I told the guy, I need, if you ever want to sell that, I want to buy it. Because I didn't tell him because God told me to. <laughs> but that's that's what I felt in my heart. And we ended up buying it. And he promised it, to sell it to us for X amount of dollars and everything. We ended up having the money because of these other windfalls God provided. I didn't, I couldn't do it. And, but somebody came to him shortly before he sold it to us. And we had nothing but a ver- verbal agreement. And uh, offered him a million dollars for the property. Well, we didn't have anything. <laughs> we were going to have a million dollars. <laughs> and, uh, and he said, no, I promised it to Gregory. And he sold it to us instead. (laughs) For a fraction of that. I mean, a fraction of that. And, uh, but, uh, no, God was in that whole thing. I mean, that story, I I could keep you up all night with that whole story because there were so many things I could not have any control over whatsoever. That God was in control. But you have to let God take control. And so your prayer has to be not my will, but thy will. But then you have to pray every day in in fasting and sacrifice that God will show you what his will is. Because I don't know what it is for you. But hopefully we'll start getting more people coming into the network. Join the network. Post little things there saying, I'm here. I'd like to join a congregation in this area. Even if it include Iowa and 
Indiana and Illinois and all that stuff, join with five, eight, nine other people, even if it's only by phone calls, and then start working social media, whatever it is, and we'll try to bring in other people. And we're go- When God's ready, things will start moving. I believe that. But I don't expect anybody to believe my belief. You have to go by what God is writing in your heart and in your mind. So anyway, I don't see any other hands going up. I don't see any other questions coming into the chat room. But uh, uh, anything else you want to bring up? No, sir. You uh, you have a wonderful evening, and uh, thank you very much for uh, taking my call. Okay. Okay, I'll try to... Uh, maybe I'll remember your the last digits of your phone number. I saw the 317, so I, I knew what area it kind of is, I think, but... Uh, uh, yeah, so that was your first call. So you're not the other guy I thought it was. But anyway, you're not John Cox, are you? Yep, that's me. Oh, you're okay. I actually saw your email. I thought about writing, <laughs> but uh, ended up having a sick sheep out on the desert. So the sheep took precedent over you. But we got to talk anyway. <laughs> I'd rather talk to you than type words in a paper. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Have a good evening. God bless. So anyway, uh, anybody want me to hit any more topics in the chat room? Anybody want to make a quick call? Uh, Anyway, I don't know where else we can go with this. Uh, I, I am starting to lose my voice. I stayed in here working because nobody, uh, people haven't come back, but I'm going to have to go out and do chores. So I, I save 180 minutes because they, the station wants to give it to me, but I don't know if I can do everything I do all day long and still talk for 180 minutes. Are you bored? Anybody want me to stay? <laughs> uh, you push one and I'll answer your phone, but you don't have to. Nothing coming in the chat room, so I'm not getting any input. I got all my emails shut off. So anyway, we'll bring the show to a close. And uh, But join us on the network. Let us know if you're coming to the Burning Bush Festival. We have a place now where we could have 10,000 people meet for the Burning Bush Festival and probably still have room left over. But we're going to need more than me to uh, make this happen. So gather together. Get us out on social media. See if we can draw in more people, get more interest. Form those congregations. Start forming those social bonds. Until then, peace on your house. And may God be with you. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www dot his holy church dot net